Hi, you're tuned in to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Selena Godden and I'm here in my kitchen with... Amarose Abrams. And Matt Abbott. And we've got a sizzling summer special show, something perfect for August. We've got the cream of art and culture and books and poetry. What else do we have? We've got live, we've got readings, we've got live performance. Uh, we've got loads of tracks, we've got a couple of features. And a live interview with a real other person. We... Artist Kelly Davitt is what? joining us. We yes. actually have a live human. But before that, <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah, it is August. Let's have it.
That was, of course, for Club Mix of Hallelujah by Happy Mondays. Uh, so my name's Matt Abbott. I'm going to do a quick roundup of spoken word content and events. Um, a couple of things that are still happening that I've mentioned before. We've got Sonic Youth with their social club and podcasts. They've got something every week. Uh, Burning Eye Books podcast is still going strong. And Harry Baker's Something Borrowed podcast is very short of, just short of 10,000 downloads. So that's great. Very short. It's just short. Sorry. Um, Apples and Snakes recently finished their second series of their at-home gigs. Um, they've just finished and they're all available to view back on YouTube. And as well as that, there's the Words First digital showcase. They've been happening this week and they're available to view back on YouTube. A lot of really great up-and-coming talent on there. Um, a new feature that's come along, so Lionheart and Salma El Wadani have a show on BBC Radio London every night and they're playing a daily poem at around 11.15 every night, which you can hear back on iPlayer. Um, they've had some great poets on there, including Sahima Manzur Khan and Joel Taylor. Um, another brand new piece of content for you is Spread the Word and Teresa Lola. They've been doing a project called Say Your Peace, where they've been asking young poets to write about their experiences during the lockdown and how they've managed to find solace throughout that. And BBC Arts have made a programme with three of the best poems from that project, so you can view that back on iPlayer as well. Um, another iPlayer plug, uh, Helen Mort on Poetry Please. That's only available until tomorrow. So if you've not heard it yet, it's perfect Sunday morning listening. Stick that on. Um, and then finally, Nymphs and Fugs, uh, the record label that I run. We're doing weekly Insta sessions every week. And we recently finished our Livewire series of events. The last two events, Livewire Colchester and the fourth Livewire Leeds event, they happened online. And you can watch them back on Facebook and YouTube and, and IGTV, but not Snapchat because it's too long. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman She don't afraid of the marching beat She don't care if he timing sweet She don't care if she kill a man Just a mashup she plan Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman Caribbean woman does cry like rain a sprinkle early Friday morning. Does ball like thunderstorm late Saturday night. Don't have no special time to wash the eye. Caribbean woman does throw her man out in the black of night. When her eye meet him guilt with a moon blood red that make him feel like a dog. But she does welcome she man some days later When she finds she have a certain itching That no other finger can scratch Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman She don't afraid of the marching beat she don't care if he timing sweet. She don't care if she kill a man. Just a mashup she plan. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. Caribbean woman does rise. She sun with a drum beat, panning back to find him ancestry, and then spoil him to find him wife. She does rise, she daughters on a mountain range, a breast that bring the sweetest milk. Same time she cooking, washing, ironing. Same time she cussing, whining, joking. Same 
time she praying, oh Lord. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. She don't afraid of the marching beat. She don't care if he timing sweet. She don't care if she kill a man. Just a mashup she plan. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. And when you see she walk, Lord, when you see she walk, on her right the cliff to sand to see me waving with her flow. And the deep belly laughter, slap of water again, she rock. And on her left, the blue mountain peak, she does force you to reach. If you seek and travel through her ferny green, our cocoa smell, our coffee mornings, oh Lord, when you see she walk, holding freedom water balance on her head. And the hips, the hips that hold the sway to a thousand hallelujahs. And the breasts, the breasts that point the way through no man's land. That land she knows so well, but never stop for long. Oh Lord, when you see she walk. And if you don't see she, Caribbean man. If you don't see she, you don't find grace, no boy. You don't find grace. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. She don't afraid of the marching beat. She don't care if he timing sweet. She don't care if she kill a man. Just a mashup she plan. Oh man, oh man, the Caribbean woman. That was a track by Jean Binterbreeze called Caribbean Woman, who we've played firstly because it's a banger, and secondly because Jean is mentioned in this section uh, that I'm going to speak about now. So I've been reading a lot recently about social and cultural changes in post-war Britain. One aspect of this has been working class culture in general, and another aspect, more recently, has been black poetry. As we know, the Windrush generation began to arrive in 1948 and had an immediate impact on our cultural and literary scene. So what I've done is I've picked out a small handful of poets who I'd like to roar about. I'm going to start with James Berry because he's arguably the first notable poet of the Windrush generation. Uh, born in Jamaica, he settled in the UK in 1948, aged 24. He immediately began to explore the relationship between black and white communities. He captured both the excitement and the tension that came with Caribbean immigrants integration into British society and was famed for blending standard English with Jamaican patois which was repeated a lot over the next uh, couple of decades. Nearly 20 years later he became an early member of the Caribbean artists movement in 1966. Ten years later he compiled Bluefoot Traveller which was an anthology of West Indian poets in Britain. In 1979 his debut poetry collection Fractured Circles was published and then in 1981, he became the first poet of West Indian origin to win the Poetry Society's National Poetry Competition. Probably the most famous work that he was involved in was the 1984 anthology News for Babylon, which was groundbreaking and seen as a breakthrough for a lot of black and international voices into the mainstream literary world. He was made an OBE in 1990 and died in London in 2017. 
It's also worth mentioning the BBC radio show Caribbean Voices, which launched in 1946 and was essential in terms of giving a platform to a lot of black writers, including poets, both at home and abroad. Beryl Gilroy has been described as one of Britain's most significant post-war Caribbean migrants and was also part of a Windrush generation. She was born in what was then known as British Guyana and moved to the UK in the 1950s, where she became the first black headteacher in London. Her experiences in education led to her writing the memoir Black Teacher, which was published in 1976. She went on to write a series of novels, including her debut Frangipani House, which was published in 1986, Boy Sandwich, published in 1989, and Steadman and Joanna, A Love in Bondage in 1991. Um, and it was in the same year that she published poetry in the form of a collection called Echoes and Voices. Right from the off, one of the most vital aspects of her work was the fact that she wrote from a female perspective. Um, this was extremely rare at the time, uh, particularly for a black woman as well, but she was adamant that she wanted to write from that perspective because that was the world that she knew, and why should she compromise by writing from any other perspective? Um, from short stories for children to essays, she won a range of accolades and awards and is hugely loved. Ben Okri is a Nigerian poet and novelist who moved to Britain in 1961 when he was only two years old. He attended primary school in Peckham and then moved back to Nigeria in 1968 where he was exposed to Nigerian civil war. He returned to the UK 10 years later to study literature at Essex University and over this period he experienced homelessness which he said was highly influential on his work. His breakthrough came only two years after that in 1980 with his debut novel Flowers and Shadows. He then served as poetry editor for West Africa mag magazine from 1983 to 86 and was a regular contributor to the BBC World Service at the same time. From there, he rose to international acclaim. His best known work, The Famished Road, was awarded the 1991 Booker Prize. He published new poetry as recently as last year, so he's still going strong. Grace Nichols is a Guyanese poet who moved to Britain in 1977, aged 27. Her debut collection, I Is a Long-Memoried Woman, was published in 1983 and won the Commonwealth Poetry Prize. She's written a series of novels, short story collections for children and poetry collections. Her work is featured on both the AQA and Edexcel GCSE poetry anthologies. In 2011, she was a member of the first ever judging panel for a school's poetry competition named Anthologize, which was spearheaded by Caroline Duffy. And she lives in Lewis in East Sussex with her partner, John Agard, who is also a pretty decent poet. Um, <laughs> earlier on, I mentioned the Caribbean artists movement in the 1960s. Uh, it's important to say that one of the poets who spearheaded that um, was Kamal Brathwaite, who is seen by many as a major voice in terms of Caribbean literature. He received a string of awards and accolades throughout his life, um, published most of his poetry in the late 70s and early 80s, and only died in February of this year. A poet that I've loved since the start of my career, since right at the very start, is Linton Kwesi Johnson. Um, born in Jamaica in 1952, he moved to Brixton when his family, with his family when he was 11, shortly after Jamaica gained independence. Um, his poems first appeared in the Race Today Journal, who also published his debut collection, Voices of the Living and the Dead, in 1974. He's probably best known for his poetry set to music, which was popular in the late 70s and 80s, i.e. when Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister. His best-known albums include Forces of Victory and Making History, and also notable at the time is his 1981 poem, The Great Insurrection, written in response to the 1981 Brixton riots. Uh, he's still going strong, and in 2002, he became the second-ever living poet, 
and the first ever black poet to have a Penguin Modern Classics publication with Me Revolutionary Friend Selected Poems. His work, influenced by the Jamaican toasting tradition, is seen as a precursor to rap. And finally, linking to the track that we played at the start, Jean Binter Breeze. Uh, Jean is a Jamaican dub poet and storyteller. She was born and raised in rural Jamaica and first visited London in 1985, aged 28. The reason for that visit was an invitation from Linton Kwesi Johnson to perform at the International Book Fair of Radical Black and Third World Books, which was a hugely, hugely influential and important event. It pulled together writers from a wide range of backgrounds and championed a lot of vital political poetry during what were difficult times for a lot of black communities. Part of the drive behind this event uh, was the frustration in the wake of Notting Hill riots and how um, the black communities were being oppressed by a lot of wings of the Thatcher government. Um, Jean Binterbreeze published her debut poetry collection, Ridding Ravens, in 1989, and since the late 90s, she's regularly published highly acclaimed poetry with Blood Axe. I'd also like to give special mentions to Wilson Harris, Benjamin Zephaniah, Archie Markham, Fred Dagar, Martin Glynn, and Bernadine Evaristo. Cheers. That is an Disappointment, a lingering settlement and a lack of confidence I spoke many tongues, a lump in my throat to guide the illustration And I revoke the statement My duty to others like me can't change who you are I have knowledge of this anatomy And it breeds a new kind of segregation I know for given way of colorblind I see in cities like mine For a look that's on the cover I paint a new skin tone, a bone structure In essence, it's a beauty people lust for Could it be my anthology is just a rant or a comforting chant? And have I made my key point? You the irregulars are seek to annoy it. For these words, leave a kiss on each ear. I'll make those evil spirits disappear. Emotion and teeth that makes a beauty that has within the truth that we conceal within our history. Perceptions of wealth and perceptions of happiness. Manipulators of ego, they capture this. Need to know I'm given all you girls permission. Permission to be better than the images you're given. Women who be racist to themselves, it's an interesting it helps to keep meticulousness in the nest with no stress. I validate the message I embed within myself. Cause I've also been a victim of these social crime skills. And make me up a dream, and make me up a maker. I give you all my powers if you see there's any takers. Monotonous of speakers who said I have no features, no peaches. Beaching or ego paint seeping For I am all the people that you like to come and challenge When you circle around my areas you're saying problematic <laughs>
acrimonious fever Sparks the bitterness of the diva I am so reluctant knowing I am no perfect subject As I slip into a magazine Which says you aren't what you're supposed to be If you can change up your figure You can feel satisfied within I paint a new grin Await the agencies to cast you in And oh, how they'll cast you in I write in front of the camera They say that you are a natural disaster Like a sudden state of rapture I steer conversing off the master I am told I do not fit This is the art that you sooner quit You are the subject that the media just hard get down with You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. So, Matt, that was a fantastic section on amazing and diverse poetry. Um, I've just got to say I'm absolutely horrified to read that the the poetry is being taken off the GCSE syllabus. What's actually going on? What's all that about? Yeah, basically because of a lockdown, uh, schools are going to be restricted with what they can teach. And so pupils in some subjects uh, are being given the option to drop certain parts of it. And poetry is one of the things that they can drop if they want. But in these times of COVID, surely poetry has never been more relevant. Um, I believe that poetry is extremely relevant now, but perhaps this might be an opportunity to shake up the anthology and look at what kind of poetry is being taught and how it's being taught as well. Okay, well, I'm not happy about it. There's a fantastic thread um, Radio 4 did on Twitter, actually, so if we could share that with the links to loads of amazing poets and and beautiful programming and amazing work that's happening right now. Talking about amazing work that's happening right now, Jade Anuka and Grace Savage have collaborated and made this fantastic film called Her and Her. We follow them on their journey, seeing just how their differences can complement each other, what challenges they will need to overcome, and how honest conversation and carefree dancing will always win in the end. It's part poetry video and part music video. It's an experimental short film, and it's lyrical, and it's musical, and it's told using poetry and beatboxing. Written and directed by Jade Anuka, with music composed and performed by Grace Savage. I found it really tender and really touching, It's filmed in lockdown and it's a series of new works of literary, music, visual and performance arts that's been commissioned for culture in quarantine by Arts Council England and BBC Arts. They've sent me a little snippet, so let's have a listen now. You grew up white. I grew up never in a fight, but constantly told off for fighting the system, the power, the authority that tried to hold on to me, that tried to keep me back. Yeah, I grew up black, but in a white world, in a man's world for the rich. I wasn't poor, and never could I snore on the privileges I had and have. And now you know me a little better, a bit of my history or whatever. You still want to stick around, knowing our privileges are different and our struggles not the same. What do you see when you look at me? And that was Her and Her with uh, Jay Danuka and Grace Savage collaboration. You'll find that on the BBC iPlayer. Okay, what have we got coming up next, Matt? 
Uh, next up, we've got a live recording by a poet called Tori Agarbo. Um, this was recorded at the Livewire Birmingham event at Verve Poetry Festival back in February, which feels like about 500 years ago now. Um, and the reason I've picked that is because my record label, Nymphs and Thugs, we've recently drawn our late, latest series of Livewire events to a conclusion. Um, it's lasted nearly a year. It was only meant to be about nine months. We had four big regional events in Manchester, Bristol, Birmingham and Colchester, and then four residency nights in Leeds. And it's been our biggest series of events to date. There's loads of amazing content online, including videos and photos, and some really great recordings like this one from Toria, um, and the poem is called Good Enough. We sit in a circle, me and these lads. These tattooed, lassoed, scallywags, and I know them quick as a click. Oh, cause these are the lads of my youth. If I close my eyes, I'm back in school, back of the class, gobbing off, playing it cool, oh. I'm on the grandstand in the park drinking Mad Dog 2020 before it even gets dark. Because these are the lost brothers of my tribe. Those ones who fucked up and fucked off and ended up banged up inside. We sit and talk, they suss me out and I tell them everything. Stretch my heart and mind wide open and tell them you can do this because I'm imperfect too and here's the best bit in this class. The worse your stories, the better you'll do. They pass around my book and say rate nice stuff and make me feel accepted and within five minutes we establish we are equally respected. They talk about their birds in words never heard about me. Hope to fucking God she'll still be there when I walk free and they talk in these mad contradictions. This one lad, yeah, will give you his last 20p. Oh, this most generous, generous thief. And he sits fired up to fuck and he tells me he can't feel emotions and I want to make him see. So I nod my head and agree and then try to implant these new thoughts subliminally and tell him, mate, oh, mate. Oh, you can do whatever you want, if you believe. And then he tells me why he likes to clean. He tells me why he likes to clean that. As a teen, that he did it for his mum and that he made the tea so that she wouldn't get a hiding when a fella got in and then he runs past me this long, loud, fast list of this and then this and then this and then this and then this, expecting that at the end, that I must be truly convinced that this lad here, this lad here cannot feel Tell him that I understand and that all of those things have been kept out to survive. But I tell him that if he starts to write, that slowly and safely it can all come out and that if he'll let himself open just a tiny little bit, he might start to feel love once he's cleared out some shit. And he sits and frowns and he protests again. And I beam back wide-eyed hope. And he picks up his pen. And that lad opposite is sensible and kind. He lost his baby, then he lost his mind till hate burst from his fists and all over her face. And then two years later, he's got a qualification in counselling and he's grateful for this place. Some of them are. Relieved to have had time to let wounds heal and form scars. And then the lad to my right, he's the one. He's the one that I'll cry about when I'm in bed tonight because some of them get right in your heart and you're not entirely sure why. He's a man with a wide-eyed, dadless sadness of a young boy and I tell him, well done, well done. 
until it is embedded so deep that he hears well done lad in his fucking sleep and I tell him mate please 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 replace replace those harsh inner words with new ones speak to yourself like a child like I've done after years of bad lad bad lad slag shit mum these can be our new ones we are good enough we are good enough we are good enough we are good enough we are good enough. You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. And it's now time for my list of some of my favourite books or the books that are on my reading pile right now. Um, Patrice Lawrence has a new book out this month, Eight Pieces of Silver. At the moment, I'm also checking out Vikram Seth, The Golden Gate. Think Like a White Man is on my pile at the moment and Terry White's Coming Undone, both by Canongate. Georgia Liar, The Burning Land is out um, and I've been checking that out. Um, I read Kit DeWall's supporting cast in one sitting last weekend. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, I hope to have Kit DeWall on a show later in the year. Luanne Goldie's Homecoming has just come out. That's absolutely fantastic. And Dorothy Coombson, All My Lies Are True is also on its way. I'm going to highlight Arenison Okoje. She's an award-winning Nigerian-born short story and novel writer working in London. Her stories, stories incorporate magic realism and also make use of her West African heritage. Her first novel, Butterfly Fish, won the Benny Trask, Betty Trask Award in 2016. And her story, Grace Jones, won the 2020 Kane Prize for African Writing. And most recently, congratulations, she's the winner of the AKO Kane Prize. She was elected as a Fellow of the Royal Society of Literature in 2018. Nudie Branch is a collection of short stories. Offbeat characters are caught up in extraordinary situations that test the boundaries of reality. A love-hungry goddess of the sea arrives on an island inhabited by eunuchs. A girl from Martinique moonlights as a Grace Jones impersonator. Dimension-hopping monks sworn to silence must face a bloody reckoning. And a homeless man goes right back to the very beginning through a gap in time. Nudie Branch is dark and seductive and it's surreal and it's out now with dialogue books. Let's have a little snippet from Nudie Branch. Hi, I'm Irena Senakoje. I'm reading from my collection Nudie Branch, um, a collection of weird modern day fables. In this story, Mangata, an albino man returns home to Mozambique following the death of his mother. The man who brought a miracle to the small town in northern Mozambique was both remarkable and ordinary. As an albino, he wasn't an unfamiliar sight, although other things indicated he was different. He walked with a certain comfort in his skin that wasn't of the surroundings. Assured, confident, he had a birthmark on his neck which looked like a stem growing from his movements. His nails were painted black, his hands elegant, the fingers long, tapered. His tongue sported a silver ring at the tip, a pink pierced entity darting out readily to abandon his mouth. On the afternoon Terry Madas arrived, it was scorching. He stood waiting at the pickup point near the market. 
a black god painted alabaster holding his light travel bag. His batik shirt had sweat patches, tan trousers stuck to his clammy thighs uncomfortably. The dust-covered leather sandals he wore felt heavy. He, having walked a few miles in the bush to get to this point, he'd done so with trepidation, fear scattering wildfire into his veins as it spread through his limbs. He knew the stories of albinos being persecuted, hunted for the value of their body parts, kidnapped, killed and sold. During the walk, in his mind's eye, he'd seen flashes of cutlasses raised up, bones on the necks of men whispering in the voices of ancestors, the cries of medicine men splintered in his ears. He'd seen blood in the sky and the trees shedding pale skin. He'd arrived at the market gratefully, spat from the torturous bush out of breath. Ten years away and nothing had prepared him for the intensity of being back. The heat, the dusty roads, the shanty houses made quaint by the distance of separation, the slick black bodies rhapsodic in their freedom. He hadn't been primed for the warmth, small bursts of joy, the fear, the feeling of familiarity, the feeling of being foreign, a mouthful of echoes slipping teasingly out of reach. Sweating profusely, he stood, walked to a shaded corner of the shop he decided to wait at, thinking of albinos that had appeared to him through night traffic, hundreds of them, each holding angles of light doubling as rabbit holes. It came to him then, the memory of that night years ago, the thick suffocating heat, sluggish grasshoppers chorusing, Mosquitoes hovering around the one stubby shrinking candle in their shack as if drawn to a possible death. Mama Carlos sat snoozing gently by the door to protect him in a ritual that saw her bloodshot eyes close reluctantly, eventually succumbing to the demands of the body, her large bosom rising steadily up and down. The small picture of Christ pinned on the wall above the green mosquito net which swooped down tiny winged fireflies with far too much gumption zigzagging above their heads and Christ's robes singed from the blue candle flame that thought it could fly, bending willfully in the heat, his eyes temporarily blinded by tiny bloodshot figures taking residence there. Terry on the bed, tossing and turning, the sound of water in the empty petrol can on the floor by his pillow of bunched clothes, then three men kicked down their door. He saw the glint of blades at Mama Carlos's throat, heard rough, urgent orders being issued, Mama Carlos screaming so loudly their response was a backhand slap to her face. Terry shrank back against the wall, powerless, pale and trembling. Necklaces of small bones on the men's necks jangled, their faces partially obscured by handkerchiefs tied over their mouths. The smell of the day's sweat from their bodies mingled with fear in the room was potent. They dragged him to the rusted white truck outside, dumped him in the back, then piled in laughing, the truck screeching away, exhaust pipe smoke curling around the edges of an abduction. They sped off, the truck eventually wound its way around the bush. It was at this point Terry leaped out, running for his life. He ran so fast blindly, an alabaster boy slipped from the world's pocket into the night's cruel playground. He ignored the scratches of wild plants on his legs, the stinging on his arms, 
The men had left the truck, whistling crudely, clicking their fingers to catch him again. A path snaked through the bush, appearing from nowhere, glimmering, rising, rushing, similar to the noise made in their petrol can at home. He ran along the path. He never remembered how he got all the way back to the village. He'd cried in relief at the people gathered holding kerosene lamps, babbling at them frantically, half out of his mind and skin, and everything being in the wrong place, their shack uprooted from Mama Carlos's injuries, the girl who'd given him a green banana earlier in the day balancing a basket of bones instead on her head, clicking her fingers, crisis photo tearing through the root of the truck, his face covered with a soiled handkerchief, Mama Carlos screaming into the petrol can, the candle flame growing into a blue-tongued carcass in the bush, and the lines of the night reduced into the shape of a howl beneath tyres crunching on stones. That was a gorgeous reading there from Arenison Okoje. Now, next up on my reading list, we have Will Ashen, Not Far From The Junction. I've mentioned how much I love the open pen novelettes before, but this one is just so superb. They're all superb, but this one is so excellent. Will Ashen, yeah, he spent the day of Tuesday, May the 21st, 2019, hitching around the motorways and A-roads of England, chatting to whoever picked him up and talking to them about their lives, dreams and aspirations, fears and favourite foods. The resulting transcripts presented here, edited and cross-cut through one another into a collage of voices, form a work in which generosity plays a far greater role than hate, reminding us of our nation's better self. Not Far From The Dunk Junction is a fresh, funny, moving and quietly radical work of non-fiction, exploring who we are and how we see the world. Not Far From The Junction is available online and at all the smartest bookshops. You can order directly from the Open Pen Shop and, it's, uh, and if you want, you can get a bundle of five novelettes for just 22 quid. I think it's brilliant, absolutely excellent. So um, we're very lucky today to have a clip from that. Where are you aiming for? This is just research for a book, is it? You're brave. I've never done it. I always said I would, just to see what it were like. She came to England about 17 years ago. She came to England after she was um, working for a diplomat in the Z. She came to England to improve her, her English. She just planned to stay here um, for a year and she met me and I obviously um, put a major spanner in the works she's uh, sacrificed a lot for me um, we moved to C nine years ago I'm from C originally um, part of Exian culture is to stay at home with the kids until they've um, finished their first year at school which my youngest daughter um, has now done. But being uh, at home for nine years, that has really, uh, has a bit of an impact on your self-confidence. Um, chuck a bit of uh, Brexit in on top as well. And she's feeling like um, the country doesn't love her anymore. So we're just, just at that fork in the road and deciding what we want to do. With, um, with the rest of our lives. I've certainly changed a lot 
over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, looking for a fresh challenge. Um, the challenge of facing the motorway for the next 15 years, well, it doesn't, doesn't really uh, inspire me a great deal. As you can tell by the monotonal accent, I'm from Gapshire. So born and bred in Blanksford, now live in Knoutsville. Unfortunately, the children have lost their Gapshire accent. We sometimes have to send them back up to grandparents just so they can get a little bit of a Gapshire twang back in them. Blanksford's always going to be my hometown, but it's always been a very poor area of the country. Not a lot of investment and Knoutsville, just a better lifestyle, really. For the kids and the family. Different. Very, 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 very different. I've got a lot of diverse friends, Asian, Muslim, English, etc. My best friends are Sikh, but growing up in Blanksford, there was a lot of racism. I'm ashamed to say my parents are still of that nature, grandparents are the same. They had bad thoughts of the immigration coming in, especially from the Pakistani community. And obviously, we had the riots and things during that time that I was growing up, and it seemed to be a bit segregated. There's still a bit of that going on, but I'm about as far from being racist as I possibly can. I enjoy the company of anybody. White, black, Greek, Asian. Don't make a difference to me. Face to people, 
Welcome to my art section. This is Emma Rose for Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Um, show, we're in show nine now, and this is my um, roundup of what's happening in the art world at the moment. And uh, now, I guess we've got more gallery exhibitions open, as well as our museums opening now. With uh, I was at the Tate on Sunday. I just went for for fun, not for work to see the Andy Warhol with friends and um, it was in a way pleasant to experience the art um, without crowds and crowds of people but also strange, strange to be wearing the mask and strange for there not to be crowds and crowds of people where you would expect them but the art itself was wonderful and one thing for me personally that I'm taking away from this is after months of not seeing any artwork is just rediscovering and re-realising art's impact, the beauty of certain pictures, especially with Andy Warhol, these pictures we've seen so many times, seeing them afresh after being starved of experiences like that just brings home what's so wonderful about them and that was quite moving for me. Um, and also at the tape, we've got the Steve McQueen fantastic show is reopening. And um, the Aubrey Beardsley, kind of a show that just really didn't open long before lockdown, but is getting a really, really strong response from people. Uh, his work is wonderful and just so evocative of a certain time, but then viewed through the lens now of LGBTQ culture can look at it afresh so that's something to see at the Tate and just people are just saying how wonderful that experience is um but yeah the experience of going to the Tate was strange you could do the distancing and do the hands and do the mask but all in all it was just wonderful to be back in a museum and whatever you're doing to be back in there distancing or ways of protecting yourself you are back looking at art again and it just refreshes how wonderful that is um one thing that's come up onto my radar as well in the last couple of days is um the gallery climate coalition which i guess we've been grounded for a while the art world's always having to answer questions about how much people travel and the carbon footprint of big events like fairs big shows, moving of artworks and things like that. So this um, Gallery Climate Coalition is 
uh, composite of journalists like Louisa Buck, gallerists Thomas Dane, Sadie Coles, Kate McGarry, and uh, uh, Victoria Siddle and Matthew Slotover from Freeze as well. And I think it's all just about how working together on how we can reduce that footprint. We've all been grounded. We've all managed, even though it's been very, very hard. So uh, on the art world, but we've all kind of uh, managed to continue in some way without traveling around so much. So we should be able to maybe take some lessons from this period of lockdown and see how we can carry that forward into the future. So that's very exciting to see. Um, and hopefully we'll be speaking to them in the next couple of months to find out more about what they are planning. Um, there are some great gallery shows that were kind of, that closed when we went into lockdown and they're now reopening, but closing very soon. So coming to the end of their run. One is the great Sarah Lucas show at Sadie Coles, which I think closes um, this weekend, and the Gordon Parks at Alison Jakes. Gordon Parks is a photographer, a documentarian, and uh, just as being kind of rediscovered or looked at anew in recent times, he is a black photographer who's taken documentary pictures of black America and it's just I guess again one of these instances where you realize how little you've seen of people's everyday lives so that his pictures are absolutely wonderful it's just touching incidental beautiful pictures of people in a way that we've not seen them and they're just going about their daily lives and just he's a wonderful photographer as well so you kind of they are art as well as documentary and they're wonderful to see and it's gone down so well that um they are having a part two opening in september but if you want to catch part one you only have well the show goes out on saturday so you have tomorrow i think i think to do it um but yeah, I mean, that kind of sums up what's happening in the art world at the moment. It's just such a time of art and politics meeting in a lot of ways. We've had a lot of conversations around BLM and a lot of conversations around representation, workers' rights, lockdown, layoffs. It There are hot, hot, hot topics happening at the moment, but they're happening across all industries. Um and at the forefront of my mind is today, which is Wednesday, is the explosion that's happened in Beirut. Um, obviously, this has hit the whole city. Uh, from my side, I'm seeing pictures on my Instagram feed of people in the region, in the Middle East, and in Beirut, um, sharing really quite sobering, devastating scenes Um and I just want to say my heart goes out to you and yeah and we'll be listing at some point in the show how you can donate and help though it's very early days so um 
Hopefully we'll put some stuff up on the social media as well, like Roaring Twenties Instagram and Twitter. Um, now, uh, why don't we have some music? This is The Darkest Rising by Mercury Rev. <laughs> Mystery. 
Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. Now we're going somewhere else. Going on, how can I have a little rest, a little break, a little country jaunt? And this is um, a poem read by Selena Gordon, recorded in Amsterdam for Nymphs and Thugs from the Livewire album. We live on a river in the country. We talk gently and listen easy. We lost our smoky bark and city hiss. You play me guitar whilst I need dough. I made enough bread to feed the ten sons we never made time to have. You get under my feet when I ask you to whisk the milk, stir the gravy, mind the oven. We never agree about the temperature, maps and train timetables. You hold the pegs whilst I hang the washing on the line hung between low-hanging crab-apple trees. Our ramshackle garden is overgrown and there are spiders in the lavender. The radio plays the shipping forecast. It's getting cold. Cold enough to snow? No, not yet. A skein of geese flock overhead, but you and me, we never migrated apart. Together we become weathered, Soft as old cotton, yellow as warm butter. We keep chickens and ducks that rarely lay eggs, and obnoxious mallard nests like royalty in an armchair in the parlour. And we brew our own beer. We grow grass and tomatoes in the conservatory. Laughter. Yes, we still laugh, and the lines are etched around our failing eyes. Foam and lathered, we bathe together too and play cards and drink rum and dare each other to skinny dip in the lake by the weeping willow when the moon is high. Books are precariously balanced on slanting shelves and guitars are in varying states of loving repair. Boxes of dusty poetry and newspaper cuttings clutter the stairs and the piano has a few keys missing like teeth and the scissors and your spectacles, they're on your head, you nincompoop. We've collected empty Marmite jars for no reason, for no reason whatsoever. We get tired, we go to bed. Snow flutters like feathers past the frosty winter windows. Face to face, we lie on the cool side of the pillow, wrapped in each other's arms like two monkeys. My fingers play with the silver hair at your temples. You stroke my face and I breathe slowly, 
jigsaw pieces. We always did fit nicely. You call me in my dreams at night. I felt your plush wings spread wide, enveloping me. You and me, we will have all this and more. You're tuned in to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio with Selena Godden, Amma Rose Abrams and Matt Abbott. This is a new show for the 2020s featuring art, culture, books, poetry and activism. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Roaring Twenties Radio and the 20s is a 20S. Roar with us, babies. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread men. Gingerbread women. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread lives. Gingerbread communities. Gingerbread politics. Gingerbread promises, gingerbread lies, gingerbread power, gingerbread structures, gingerbread surveillance, gingerbread state, gingerbread anger, gingerbread oppression, gingerbread division, gingerbread hate, gingerbread awakening. Gingerbread philosophies Gingerbread consciousness Gingerbread evolution Gingerbread uprising Gingerbread insurgencies Gingerbread overthrow Gingerbread revolution Gingerbread restructuring Gingerbread promises Gingerbread dogma Gingerbread surges Gingerbread counter-revolutions Gingerbread power snatches Gingerbread crackdowns Gingerbread purges Gingerbread chaos Gingerbread dystopia Gingerbread famine Gingerbread war Gingerbread cannibalism Gingerbread desperation Gingerbread monsters Beating down the door Again and again, this story is rolled out to convince the gingerbread people that some great baker knows what it's all about. Not a question there, assigned gender to be good citizens, live quiet. Productive lives as ordained from up above. Not to question anything. Keep their mouths shut. Go willingly unto their graves. And above all, the gingerbread people must leave things as they are. The 
gingerbread people must leave things as they are. Gingerbread men. Gingerbread women. Gingerbread people. Gingerbread lives. Gingerbread communities. Gingerbread politics. Gingerbread promises. Gingerbread lies. Surveillance, state, anger, oppression, division, hate, awakening, philosophies, consciousness, evolution, insurgencies, overthrow, gingerbread, revolution, restructuring, promises, dogma, surges, counter-revolutions, power snatches, crackdowns, purges, chaos, dystopia, Famine, war, gingerbread, cannibalism, gingerbread desperation, gingerbread monsters, beating down the door, gingerbread monsters, beating down the door. You've just heard um, Gingerbread People, which is a fantastic new track from my great friend Murray Lachlan Young from his new album Edge of Reason, Blabbermouth versus Lachlan Young. It's a new album out this August 2020. As you may or may not know, Murray Lachlan Young is known not just for his BBC Radio 6 poems and appearances on Loose End, but also as a performer, writer and broadcaster. He's worked with Massive Attack, Pill, oh, the list goes on and on. The Edge of Reason is 10 tracks of wild, improvised soundscapes and tunes intertwined with Murray's unique blend of surreal wit and cosmic comedy and wild poetry. I think it's absolutely fantastic. So seek that out. Edge of Reason, Murray Lachlan Young. Good work there, Murray. Coming up next, we have some beautiful poetry from Hafsa Anila Bashir. I actually taught Hafsa um, a while back, a good five... 10 million years, oh, I don't know the years anymore, everything's all mulched into one mulch, but in the days before COVID, a long time ago, I, I, I had the pleasure of teaching Hafsar. She's a Manchester-based poet, a playwright and performer, and originally from East London. She's founder and co-founder of Outside the Frame Arts. She's passionate about championing voices outside the mainstream. She's winner of the Gerwood Compton Poetry Fellowship 2019, and she was writer in residence with the Manchester Literature Festival. She's an associate artist with the Poetry Exchange, an associate artist with the Oldham Coliseum Theatre and supported artists at the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester. She's doing so well. I'm so proud of her. I'm so excited about the work that she's doing. Her debut poetry collection, The Selux and the Clot, is published by Burning Eye Books. She's going to read us a poem, but I just also want to tell you she's the founder of the newly launched Poetry Apothecary, the Poetry Health Service. I don't know if you've seen the adverts for it. It just came out this week. The Poetry Health Service is a poetry panacea. Pana, pana, uh, poetry panacea. Poetry panaceas. Oh my goodness. Poetry panaceas by the people for the people. Inspired by the miracle of love, human connection and the healing power of poetry. Look for the Poetry Health Service on Instagram and Twitter. www.poetryhealthservice.com Okay, let's hear some poetry now. This is Hafsa Anila Bashir. I Am by Hafsa Anila Bashir 
the ray of dusty sunlight sneaking through the blinds in the morning. I have woken you. The sudden scent of jasmine among the fumes of diesel and I have made you turn your head. The colour of the neon scarf swept by the wind into littered streets is how I caught your eye. Heartbeat quickens and the blush of heat across your face as you fight to deny my existence. You can but try. Lemon scent lingering on your fingers as you crush my leaves. You can only wash me off. Flecks of diamonds glinting across the lakes prompt you to blink me away. You put on your shades. The hot, wet kisses of lust sacrificed at the altar in the night are futile. You can't hide from me. The flutter in the womb as the packed limbs move helps me start to open the delicate bud of your heart. I am the discarded silky cocoons of the butterflies, the darkest stain of sappenwood in the bowels of moored ships. I am the fodder of golden cattle grazing among the dead, the morning dew hidden among the leaves of dense forests. I am the richness you cannot see when counting coins. I run through your veins when all has dried and withered. I am what you wanted me to be and I'm Here, the ray of dusty sunlight sneaking through the blinds in the morning, I have woken you.
You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. And now we're going to have a little excerpt from John Osborne's new show. So John Osborne was supposed to be up at Edinburgh Fringe this month, along with a lot of other people. But as you know, Edinburgh Fringe isn't happening. So his brand new show, My Car Plays Tapes, which is a beautiful, nostalgic journey through adulthood and coming of age and music and the romance of cassettes, has been uploaded to Bandcamp instead. So you can listen to it in the comfort of your own home and you can also pay whatever you like for it. So I just picked out five minutes, which I really loved. Um, This is the new show from John Osborne. Enjoy. In the waiting room at Georgina's girlfriend's garage, there are thank you cards on the windowsill and on the little table next to the armchairs. I've never seen thank you cards in a garage waiting room before. Who sends a thank you card to their mechanic? What a nice thing to do. Georgina's girlfriend tells me she has a new mechanic who is starting a one-year apprenticeship today. She's out there now learning how to change her first tyre. This new apprentice, she lives in their block of flats. She's only 17. She hated sixth form. Her and Georgina's girlfriend used to have cigarettes together by the back door. And one night she said, well, you can come and work for me if you like. They went up a couple of flights to talk to her dad, who was delighted. What a sensible idea. 
and already she's decided this is what I want to do forever. There are three of us in the waiting room at Georgina's girlfriend's garage. Look at us. Three sad, tired men waiting for our shit cars to be mended. We all look like we need our MOTs. The lifeguard has told us we're not allowed to swim in the fast lane anymore. We're all impressed by Jurgen Klopp and we're excited when idols were quite good on Jules Holland. We didn't think that kind of thing happened anymore. We don't know if we should write happy birthday on people's Facebook pages. Do people still do that? Oh, getting older. It's really hard. Georgina's girlfriend comes over to say hi and asks if I want a cup of tea and she tells me about the polo. Georgina bought it when they were first together. They've been together since sixth form and even then it felt like an old car. They grew up in a village just outside Great Yarmouth and they were both so unhappy. They weren't allowed to do anything together or go anywhere. They were stuck. As soon as she was 17, Georgina bought the polo with money she'd saved from her paper round. And now that she'd passed her driving test, it meant they weren't confined to this village anymore. They loved that car. They drove everywhere, listening to Jamiroquai and drum and bass. And they spent all their time making each other compilation tapes. And they went to so many raves in Thetford Forest. Their car was always full of people looking forward to things. If you needed a lift, Georgina would take you. They loved not being stuck in this village anymore. They'd fill their boot with their things and drive across the beautiful Norfolk coast. For the last couple of years, they haven't needed Georgina's car so much but they couldn't bring themselves to scrap it. It meant so much to them. Maybe there's someone else who'd like to drive it, they thought. Maybe it had one more bit of life in it. And that's where I came along. Someone a bit stuck in life who was so grateful for anything, I had been saved. Just like all the people who had sent in those thank you cards to Georgina's garage. After a while, in the waiting room, Georgina came back through and she said it was all fixed and she said there's no charge. I drove away, happy that my car was okay. But it was driving home from Georgina's girlfriend's garage that I realised something didn't feel right in my life. And I don't think it had felt right for a long time. I wasn't doing what I should be doing with my life. When I saw my sister at Christmas, she suggested that maybe I should do a PGCE. I didn't like the sound of that at first, but I was starting to wonder if maybe she was right. Back home that night, I looked at the forms online and I started to fill them in. She doesn't like that I don't do things like go on holiday. I think what she'd like is for me to go somewhere like Morocco or Sri Lanka, travelling around and meet someone with nice hair and fall in love and buy a little house together somewhere nice like Sheffield. I think that's all anyone wants, really.
back in the 80s, both me and my sister got given a personal walkment. And it was a really big thing. I mean, for both of us, but it was especially a big thing for my sister. She loved house music and listening to stations in Manchester would make her own house mixtapes from the radio and would listen to them obsessively. When she could make her own cassettes and play them over and over, she would dance endlessly in her bedroom. dancing I, I'd be downstairs watching telly with my mum and dad I must have been about 13 yeah and I kid you not it the whole house would be shaking but it's not a big house and especially banging was the living room door and my dad would sit there and he'd, he was he tried to be as patient as he could but there'd be a point where he'd look over at my mum and he'd be like Janet I gotta go up and say something and my mum would look at him and she'd be like don't you say a word Love. 
You're listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. The last time I performed was in February in Birmingham at the Birmingham Hippodrome for the Livewire event with Nymphs and Thugs. And a real highlight of that gig was performing alongside Sally Katebi. Here's Sally Katebi with his poem Convoluted Drivel, which I think is a fantastic title for a fantastic poem. Enjoy. I haven't been making sense lately. My only compass a crooked paddle out haggling for direction. Lost in the wash. I never know what started it. Could have been the heartbreak. Those echoless laments of love. Fiddling with the rubric of Cupid's spark or work's been hard, it could have been that. Or it could have been that Last glass of cancerous ale still snaking through my gravel pit. Or the fact that I have a gravel pit for a pulse. That my supposed twos are past due and I'm bartering cause for concern. Battering my cause for the stern noose of night nectar, boozy belly laughs taking their toll on my time here. But who's to judge? Who hasn't loved this summer's soul stitchings? Kissed by the solstice. Pinpricks of sun jutting out your jugular, jumping full of useless drugs. Cooking up storms in hell's kitchen, saving hugs for our fallen Gabriels. Tasting solace in our mantras of, you only live once. And we'll burn those bridges when we get there. I've been mixing my metaphors and drinks for days. Decades decay in the papered parcels of gin. I trust to correct my sins. Straight lines staggering themselves silly. Sense a soft syllable too easily slurred by the seminal serpent seated in my cup, coiled in my gullet, bloodying my gizzard while we, birds of a feather, Flock to the bottom of our bubbling blizzards, we are tomorrow's heroes. But tonight we drink, toasting to muted moments, boasting a youth that fades unflinchingly and doesn't take kindly to threats. I was 20 once. Now I'm this, some 20 months shy of a milestone's kiss and far too old for this shit. But this is the freaking weekend. We are swimming in a gauze of the good, bad, and ugly, shaken, never stirred. I serve for you the myrrh of a righteous concubine to a blind muse, defining the hues of his principles, both blackened and blued by the bastardish boomerang of Saturday night Eve weaved into Monday's hangovers. Clued up on the vinyl folds, of a spinal cord's corrupted syntax swayed by the source I've been shaking what my mama gave me into the lost and found corners of my favorite nightmares where nights flare with staggering force and I found my likeness in a daggerless corpse rooting for sustenance in a swill of guilt and of course I called it decadent what other name for my public follies with no sorry tacked on A man of action, wronged by his need for fever, lost, looting, foraging in a forest for the trees. 
In a forest full of weeds, I fall often, by damn it, I fall well. Stumble punched, star strickeningly drunk, I've learned to sip, to sober up. There is madness in my methods, and I wouldn't have it any other way. My activism is an acrid molasses, too glass slippered to run away. We slow dance till the chimes trigger its flaws. And when it's time for us to court, I am a figureless four, leg locked to the floorboards looking for God, wrestling hope with palms pressed, praying I won't be questioned for the days I missed because of the nights I didn't, I have hidden my scars well. Scurrying from the cartels of my shadow self, I have no choice but to part well, live loudly, and rest in peace. I'm sorry if I haven't been making much sense lately. Seated where I stand, not much ever does. Sleep.
Hi, welcome back everybody. This is Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose and I'm lucky enough to be here with the artist Kelly Ann Davitt. In fact, you're also a curator, aren't you? Yes, I am. Hello, hello. Hi Kelly, how are you? I'm good, how are you Rose? I'm good, I'm good. Just a bit of background for the listeners. Kelly is a painter and she's a feminist. There's a big feminist yeah, like, there's often a feminist theme. Yeah. It's quite strong in yeah. the work. Yes. Yeah, coming through. Yes. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit because there's been quite a lot of conversation about artists in lockdown. I mean, there was even one piece in the press that said that artists were the least key worker of all time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, they might have a point. Yeah. <laughs> Although we do provide a uplifting service. Yes, um, I, I disagree. I went to see a show yesterday and I felt invigorated. We need art, particularly now. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Exactly. And But I wanted to ask you, how has lockdown been for you as an artist, as a painter? Um, it's been very mixed. It started off um day to day I was really kind of ecstatic because I had so much time to spend painting and I had lots of new ideas I wanted to get on with but then that's kind of combined with like a searing anxiety of um what's going on in the world and every cough and itch or whatever you know um it's very anxiety making um but also a sense of guilt because I was quite enjoying my day-to-day painting all the time so yeah real mixed I've heard a lot of people say that they actually found lockdown in some ways initially quite helpful because it just shut out a lot of the noise for people and you could focus. Mm. But then... The novelty soon wears off, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like the endless days rolling out ahead of you. Mm. But And and, and yourself, how did you find lockdown? Um, I was really... I was actually quite enjoying the day-to-day. But then there's things like... For instance, they built a temporary mortuary at the end of our road. Oh. So that was quite a, you know, a reminder of what's going on around. Uh, not that we need much of a reminder. No, but, but I mean, you can't escape that. No. No, that must have been intense. Yeah, and also I... Intense. It was pretty intense. <laughs> and it looked like, it looked like they were setting up for a festival. That was kind of ironic. Um, obviously, it's like complete opposite to a festival. Um, so that's quite sad. Um, so there's a lot of reflection on uh, yeah. death and a lot of new time. And um, did you, I kind of feel like there's kind of lots of people coming out with their COVID projects, what yes. I've been doing in lockdown, you know, presenting it to the world. And I wonder, but it's not like that for everybody. I kind of no. feel like being creative in lockdown, for some people, it all comes from the people around them and other people, it you know, it comes from your, you know, just what's inside. Yeah. Well, I happened to move my studio home about six weeks before lockdown, so obviously (laughs) I'm psychic. Um, No, so that worked out quite well for me. And uh, I'd started, I wanted to have more time to reflect and make my process slower. Um, So obviously I had more time, but I didn't want it to come about this way. Um, So... (laughs) That was quite good for me, really. I started working on a really optimistic, opulent show of quite uh, large-scale, um, detailed paintings. Um, and one that I completed was one called Raindrops on Conkers, which were oversized, shiny yes. conkers with raindrops on. And um, Just for so, the listener, just to say, hmm. Kelly is an incredibly skilled painter. She 
it's it's kind of sit she manages to sit somewhere between hyper realism but then it's definitely got her own kind of hand in it it's not just recreating what's there but it's incredibly detailed it's like when she says raindrop on conquer she means a raindrop on a conquer <laughs> yeah um yeah i think uh, my work is often described as hyper real but it's quite painterly as well when you yeah. see it up close i think so um and um, just to kind of move on to your work in general, so you've got you've got this you've got this incredible talent, this you know this technical talent, but there's also that's not the crux of it. The crux of it is kind of your subjects. And you say you talk. I mean, you've curated a show. You cura- you curated the most powerful woman in the universe. Yes, which was a fantastic show Ooh. last year. Ooh, very yes. much enjoyed. <laughs> it was very good. But um, great artist. Do you want to talk a bit about the content of your work? Uh, in relation to that show or just generally because it, my work kind of does tend to jump around okay like at the moment I because I've been thinking a lot about um, how you can restrict yourself having done certain projects so mm-hmm. after I'd done the most powerful woman in the universe which was real kind of feminist raw and had um, seven fantastic artists in it including Selena Godden who uh, showed her a red poem. Um, so that was great. Um, after that, it kind of sets up, you set up a president for yourself. So then after that, I just wanted to be really playful. So all the stuff I'm working on now is more reflective and playful and about painting and um, creating the illusion of forms and things. And uh, I wanted to free myself and have no restrictions on this next project. But you still feel like, um, are people expecting? Mm. me to kind of do continue with the feminist theme because I jump around quite a lot do you feel the pressure then to repeat yourself or I did for a while until I kind of I think it's good to as an artist um constantly be vigilant on what your motivations are because you can often get swamped in quite negative thought processes that are of your own doing and from outside forces I think yeah, yeah, I think it's like mm. the alone time. I think that's a writer thing as well. Yeah. These kind of like thought wells. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's good to be vigilant on those because uh, you don't want to end up doing what you think you should be doing. I always think you should do what you want. Absolutely. And but sometimes you don't know that you're doing what you think you should for a while until you've had a little dig around. and Yeah. Oh, interesting, interesting. And um, you mentioned before, when we were chatting yesterday, pre-chat, Yes. Um, when we had our pre-chat, you uh, mentioned that you felt that lockdown had actually changed your process in what I read as a positive way. Um, I think I'd, it was a strange coincidence, really, because I'd already decided to change my process. Mm. And I moved my studio home and I'm around lots of open space. So it's become... I wanted to allow things to be more organic and for more like uh, accidents to happen and to be able to do exactly what I want to do um, in terms of what I paint. But the what, painting yeah. is always the same kind of style, like hyperreal and building up colour. What have, what have been your subjects lately? Conkers. Well, I've been dealing, yeah. I've found myself kind of navigating uh, childhood memories through cultural imagery, mm-hmm. um, like stuff I remember from when I was a child, like Vimto, Care Bears. I've got all this kind of nostalgic 80s um, things coming in, and then marbles, um, like an expansive oh, yes, I saw marbles. Those, yeah. And I like them because it sets up conversation because everyone's got a, a, a something to say about a memory about marbles. Memory about conquers and the sweets and the sweets, yeah. Because I started doing the sweets for artist pledge because 
I had to make some smaller works because I got ill myself with um, oh. vertigo. So then I started I had to adapt my work, and I started doing kind of retro, nostalgic suites on a bit of a smaller scale. So yeah, your work's quite big, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's kind of changed my work. And I wanted to ask you about um, Artist Support Pledge because obviously artists, shows have just started mm. happening, but a lot of the shows that are opening are shows that were open pre-lockdown. Everyone's yeah. still kind of reconfiguring yeah. the, skate, the schedules and things like that. But um, I wanted to find out what you were doing for Artist Support Pledge. Well, yeah, we've been painting bubbly bubble gums <laughs> in kind of hyper real, but they're quite small and really detailed. So they're like at two hundred pounds, so they're quite a nice thing for yeah. people to be able to buy something, you know. That's and it's fun you know, to make. Yeah, and really fun to be making a living painting bubbly bubble gums <laughs> for a moment. Um, and uh, blackjacks and uh, what's the other one? Fruit salad. Fruit salad. Yes, oh, amazing, amazing. And um, what about future things coming up? Obviously, it's like physical exhibitions. I've had quite a lot of stuff kind of postponed. And uh, for instance, I was in a show in Stoke-on-Trent at the Potteries Museum in the gallery there. And they were going to open up again, but on on circumstances that they can't. But that might go on. So that was a shame. Um, And that was, I had my pieces from the most powerful women in the universe. And there was a show called Kapow. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which was superhero themed. Yeah. And it was really fun. Um, so ho- hopefully, I think that might be going on somewhere else, but I can't really say any more. Okay, well, keep us posted. Mm. Yes, but there's other things that were in the pipeline too, so hopefully they'll. And where can people find you? So if they're looking for you online? Um, my Instagram is Kelly underscore Davitt. That's K E L L Y underscore Davitt, D A V I T T. Okay, wonderful. So head down there if you want to see more of um, Kelly's work. Thank you so much for coming in in person. In person, a real life person. It's been a pleasure. To be on Roaring Twenties Radio. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Selena. (laughs) Thank you, Rose. Thank Thank you, Selena. Thank Thank you, you. Kelly. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Dickie. Thank you, Dickie. I'm the producer, Richard Cripps. Yeah. Helping us make this show in my kitchen. It's so strange and wonderful that we do this once a month. Come and sit around this table in the kitchen and have a bit of a chat and share some poetry and music and books. Um, what are your plans for the rest of August then? Work. Everything after the whole kind of strangeness of lockdown. I am really busy. I'm going to plan some shows now. I think. Good, good, good. Yeah. You went to see the Sarah Lucas yesterday. Could you give us a tell us what that was like? The it Sarah was Lucas fantastic. show. Fantastic, yeah. Um, I like the addition of colour and uh, some Converse-like trainers. I'm not sure they are all Converse. Like <laughs> the way I totally uh, rained on those. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic show. It's on until Saturday. Should anyone wish to see it, you've got to get down there fast. Oh, I want to really see it. Good. I want to see it. And what about you, Matt? What are you up to for the rest of August? Um, I'm going to try and write two days a week, which is very ambitious. I shouldn't, as a writer, that shouldn't be an ambition, should it? But, you know, you spend so much time messing about with emails and stuff. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to try and write at least two days a week, so I'm trying to write a book. Which days are going to be your writing days? Well, hopefully Tuesday and Thursday. should okay. be spontaneous, but it's not anymore, is it? Okay. Is there a reason true. that you chose Tuesday and Thursday? Crack on on Monday. 
do a bit of writing on Tuesday. Need to crack top up a bit on Wednesday. Chill yeah. out on Thursday. Then, yeah. Perfect. I wish my life wasn't so anal and spreadsheety, but it is. <laughs> You've got to do it sometimes. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. This has been Roaring Twenties Radio. We are going to sign off with, with um, yes. So usually around now we would be at millions of festivals, running around in our wellies, um, camping and all of that gorgeous glorious stuff dancing yeah dancing in tents watching the sunrise stinking of bonfires smoking cigarettes with strangers and just having the best merriest time watching that amazing light the serious stars the amazing stars the big august full moon and all of that beautiful stuff i as you can hear in my voice i am missing it so much um, so we're going to end the show with um, a beautiful piece of music from Katouche. Katouche sings and composes in English, Czech, French and Elfin. Um, she also sings in Bulgarian, Gaelic and Russian. And she is definitely one of my favourite people to bump into at a festival. You're always going to find her barefoot, singing, standing on some table, or swinging from a tree. I just absolutely love her. She um, switches between languages and plays the halusi, um, and she and, and has this unique way of singing um, through her flute, which is really clever. Um, she's a true troubadour, uh, with a real troubadour spirit, and one of the most refreshing pieces of originality and substance you're ever likely to hear. Her latest album is The Spring of 2022. It's truly a mix of English and Czech and Polish and Russian and Mandika and her own improvised tongue and her Chinese halusi gourd clarinet. At the moment, she's actually out and gigging because, you know, there's no stopping Katusha. And she's in Czech Republic from the 14th and 15th of August at a culture festival called, I can't pronounce that, Kodzd Slavnosti Domalsiki in the Czech Republic. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Um, And she set up this thing. Now, this is what I wanted to tell you called On The Verge, doing pop-up gigs on verges, village greens and random outdoor spaces with fellow guitarist John Bowie and other guests joining her um, because they want to keep music and performance live. So check that out. She'll be popping up on some grass verge. You're out to get your pint of milk wearing a mask and you'll find fantastic Katusa playing. I think that's just amazing. Check it all out on www ontheverge.world www.ontheverge.world um, they're going to be playing near Montpellier um, in France this week by a river um, check out their Instagram on the verge world I just think this is so beautiful so let's hear from Katouche thank you very much for listening to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio we'll be back we'll in be back. we'll be back in we'll be back September. in September 26. on the 26th of September we're having a break we're break. having a long break till the next show please catch up on all our other shows where can they hear all the last shows Matt? it's anchor.fm slash roaring 20s radio and the 20s is 20s you'll get all of the previous episodes as a podcast thank you very much for tuning in take care everyone wear a mask wash your hands be good <laughs> be kind be human stay alert see you in the autumn <laughs>
will the leaves be green? Will the sky be blue? In the spring of 2022, will you still love me? Will I still love you? Friends out on the town in the spring of 2022. Will we dance in rivers wild and free from the mountainous source out to the sea? Will we be one or two or three in the spring of 2022? Oh, I can think of 